Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey, everyone, just a quick message here before we hop into today's question and answer episode. Tomorrow is day one of the seven-day fasting ramp-up challenge, January 12th. It is the launch of the challenges for the 2022 calendar year. We are super excited. Dare I say it is going to be the best challenge yet. Today's episode focuses on some of the questions that we get in between uh, the challenges and during the challenges that could really shed some light on getting you the answers that you need in real time. So Tommy, as reflecting back on 2021 and the amazing results of, you know, uh, average of eight pounds lost and breakthroughs and plateaus demolished and maintenance reached, um, the focus on the Q&A sessions during the seven days is really what we feel moves the needle. Yeah, it's been incredible because, you know, it doesn't really matter where you're coming to fasting or like where you are in your fasting journey. If you're a beginner or you're more advanced, there, there's going to be questions all along the way. And those questions, uh, they, they change throughout your journey. So being able to get, get answers to those, especially as you're going through something that's pushing you to, to new heights, like maybe it's, your, it's, it's now your new longest fast, or maybe you just push through a, a long-term weight loss plateau, or maybe now you understand what you're dealing with every time you go to actually break your fast. And maybe there's some emotional connections that keep coming up. Some, some patterns, right? But, but understanding what those look like in real time, especially while we're going through the science and the psychology of it, again, in real time every single day, that can be the difference between you know, kind of stagnating or plateauing versus breaking through that and getting to the next step. And that's what the challenge is all about. Absolutely. And focusing on those Q&As every single day, you get the replays, you get the videos, you get the audios, you can take them with you on your walks. Uh, We are there with you every step of the way. It is a vow that we think we've kept our promise to, which is we answer every single question during those seven days and give you the support that you need. So the action step for today's intro to today's question and answer episode is go get signed up for the challenge. It starts tomorrow. Don't miss out. You can go to the show notes or www.thefastingforlife.com forward slash live. And now on to today's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Doing fantastic, my friend. Today, we're going to do a listener Q&A. I'm not sure if it's the holidays or the most recent challenge or what <laughs> is happening, but man, the contact us is the info at questions, the messages on Facebook yeah. um, in the the fasting for life community group, there's just been a ton of questions. So we're going to pick out uh, some of the ones that we feel, or we have picked out some of the ones that we feel um, can be impactful. And we've seen repeats on. So today is going to be a listener Q and a, and as you know, growing up, going through uh, school, there was always, there is no, no question is a bad question. So if you guys have (laughs) questions, feel free to reach out to us, info at thefastingforlife.com. If you're new 
to the podcast, you can head to the website, thefastingforlife.com. We have a free fast start guide. It's a simple six-step PDF to put one meal a day fasting into your day-to-day life. And it is the thing that we first originally created and is still going strong, getting people results. So, yeah, Tommy, what question do you want to start with today, sir? I'm going to pong it over to you because I know we have our list and I typically uh, will be the governor here. But which, where do you want to start? <laughs> um, I think that um, I think we should start with breaking the fast. There can be there can be a lot of. Um, a lot of points of concern or points of, of confusion that maybe we can lend a little clarity on about, about breaking cool. a fast. So frame out what the, cause this came from a conversation uh, between two people in our group. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it was good perspective, but frame out what the construct was and what the actual question was or the concern I should say with breaking a fast. Yeah. It's like going into the fast and then having some fear around, around the actual breaking, like, when, when will I, how will I do it? Um, I have some concerns about my own eating behavior, my own eating patterns. And, um, it, she said it can be hard to break the fast. Sometimes often I'm afraid if I start eating, I won't stop, or I'll want to see a fasting time, like, like a new PR, a new personal record or a new best time, um, or one that, you know, beats somebody else in the group or, or one of my friends. And, and, you know, just, just not knowing exactly what you're going to do, um, kind of having that, that clarity of, of what the purpose of the fast was and, and that confidence uh, that during your actual eating window, you're going to do what's, what's serving you and serving your goals and, and having a plan going in and then executing on that plan. Yeah. So a couple layers there, which is why I really like the question, um, and the conversation. So Breaking a fast for addressing the concern of, of, of always having to, or wanting to climb Mount Everest every time, mm-hmm. meaning like you've hit the PR. All right, I did it. Now I want to, I did 24 hours. Now I want to do 26. I did 26. I want to do 28. I did 28. I want to do 30. Yeah. yeah. You know, somebody in the group's doing a five day fast. Oh, well, I want to do a seven. Right. So <laughs> I hear a little bit of competitiveness and that reminds me of my loving wife, Megan, yeah. Um, where she has that competitive edge where for me, I'm like, I don't care. You can win. It's fine. Right. Like I don't have that, you know, competitive, like with certain things, but not, not in everything. Right. Where, right. where she might be a little bit more competitive in, in, in everything. Maybe, you. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe this is just, I don't know who said it, it wasn't me, but, um, with that, I feel that we may be setting the expectations, um, of, what we're expecting of our fasting lifestyle a little bit too high. Mm. So the idea with fasting is not to create um, this restrictive kind of competitive environment where it's like, Oh, I got, I got to like, I got to break it next time. It's really being Mm. strategic with using different varying fasting windows or fast cycling to use time 72 hours and less because we get the protective metabolism um, protection there. We get our uh, protection of our resting metabolic rate. We're going to talk about that in a minute about from another question that came in from a listener. Mm-hmm. Um, but it always goes back to me is there's conviction and clarity. So going back to what is my plan for the week and is this plan moving me closer or farther away from my goal? So 
it sounds like to me, if you're always wanting to just push it the next time, really making sure that you have a plan that you can commit to ahead of time and removing that decision to have an open-ended fast. Yeah. Yeah. That open-ended fast, that can be a slippery slope, but what you just said there about kind of uh, like having that, that plan for, for what you're going to be doing with that fast. Like if you think about it, um, you can't, you can't just endlessly hit new, new longer fast. I mean, I, I guess technically like you could for a long time. Um, but, but would you really want to, is it serving you and your psychology and your physiology and your goals the best or, um, or could it be potentially setting yourself up for, for losses, like for, for misstarts and for failure or, or failed timer hits that, that add up over time where you say, okay, I, I really want to hit a new PR this time. And my, my longest fast before was, was a 36 hour fast. I really want to do something beyond that. And then, so if you, if you keep pushing it and you're, you're, but you're not hitting the end goal that you set out for yourself, that's, that's a mark against you. Right. And, and those things, we, we remember those things, they start to wire together. And then if, so if we're consistently not hitting the goal that we actually set out for, then we, we get into a bad pattern and that's going to lead to, you know, negative results, not, not getting farther towards our goals. Yeah. The one other layered thing here too, is where it was the concern about, I'm not, if I start eating, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to stop. So that's a different conversation And it can feed into that feeling of always wanting to push. Um, So what we really encourage most people to do is to stick to the plan, right? So use the varying windows based on your life and your schedule. So if you have a date night, you have a dinner, you have, uh, have, you know, say your son's away at college or your daughter's coming home or you have a holiday Mm -hmm. gathering, um, really just putting the boundaries around what it is that you value with the fasting lifestyle. So mm-hmm. allowing it to give you the confidence to be able to know that you can do this repeatedly over time with sustainability and moving away from that, you know, the dieting framework, right? Where yeah. we're adapting this into realistic. Cause when you get to a maintenance point and you know, you're, you're not in fat loss phase, right? You're in a maintenance mm-hmm. phase. Um, being able to know that you have confidence around your, your, your meals or your eating windows is a key component of that. And the only way maintenance is ever going to work out and stick is if you get the repetitions and the practice of building those habits and those routines. Yeah. Good point. And when she says there, I'm afraid if I start eating, I won't stop. That reminds me of of my own former habits with like a revolving pantry door, because if it feels like a slippery slope, whenever you go to break your fast, then there might be some things that you need to put some other control points on. Like for me, that meant not buying certain snacks at the grocery store, just like not keeping them in the house. Or if, if I'm sitting down for a meal, like sitting down for a meal rather than an eating window, like, right. so if you, if you find yourself going down slippery slope, every time you break your fast, consider it a meal rather than an eating window, even like one meal a day, one meal a day. Okay. Emphasis on meal there rather than even like what we've heard it, like a 30 minute eating window or a 60 minute eating window, or maybe even mm-hmm. like a 90 or, or a two hour eating window, but right. treating it like a meal rather than a, a window. Cause a, a window can bring about 
uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of behaviors that, that don't serve us. Those are like old construct, old behaviors that, right. that went along with gaining weight, not with gaining control. Right. Right. And the intentionality behind that meal too. make sure that you are putting things in that you enjoy and, and making sure that you're eating to satiation, make sure you have good sources of protein, nutrients, dense foods, et cetera, Mm -hmm. um, is really part of that equation as well. It's not a simple one, you know, one size fits all, uh, answer for a lot of people. Um, but it's something that you need to get those repetitions in to build that long term. So mm-hmm. um, great conversation. Great question there. I want to move into uh, a straightforward question, which is why do I sometimes get cramps in my feet and hands? And is this related to intermittent fasting? So my first question would be, did you get cramps prior to fasting? Right. Mm-hmm. If you've been fasting for years or is this something new? Mm-hmm. Um, and if it is something new, a couple of considerations, if you've extended your fasting windows, uh, maybe the weather has changed and you're indoors with heat more and you're getting a little bit more dehydrated. Maybe um, really the answer to this one typically comes down to um, hydration and electrolytes. So if this is you and this person, this question came in um, from Joanne, one of our listeners, and it would be a lot of people, you know, when they see cramps, you can get on the web and you can go down Dr. Google and magnesium comes up a lot as the answer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Magnesium sometimes can make cramping worse. So what I would really start, First is hydration. In my mom's story, she called me one day, hey, honey, I'm getting this. You know, I, I don't understand. And I had a banana and I did this and I tried magnesium and it didn't work. It made it worse. Mm-hmm. And I was like, right, it's hydration. So mm-hmm. increase your water intake. If you're already doing a substantial 75 to 90 ounces of water a day, right? Half your body weight in water. In, add one teaspoon of Himalayan or Redmond sea salt or a good healthy, uh, a good uh, source of a good sea salt, right? doesn't matter which one. Mm-hmm. Add a teaspoon in the morning into 16 to 30 ounces of water. And then a teaspoon, this is the key one, late afternoon, early evening. And do that for a couple of days and see if it improves. And then the mm-hmm. second thing you can do to add in before bed would be um, like an Epsom, uh, a warm Epsom salt bath, which can help. Again, salt. And then if you're having more of like a sleeping issue with cramps, then I would try something like a magnesium-based product like Calm or a magnesium supplement. But start with hydration first because that's typically the driving factor before we get into the supplementation stuff. Yeah, I think that's that's great perspective. I know for me personally, I used to have a lot more cramps, um, and mostly like in my hands, like in my thumbs and in my feet, um, just just kind of sporadically before implementing a fasting lifestyle. It's like, like I was able to to find more of um, probably the electrolyte and hydration balance was easier right. as the weight came off. And then as, as I got consistent with my fasting as well. Yeah. When I was, and one thing, interestingly enough, when I was, this also applies to headaches to the hydration thing. Yeah. Um, when I was in full-time clinical practice and the seasons would change and we would go from hot, humid Houston to cool palm trees are dying. Sprinklers are are freezing. Mm-hmm. And powers being lost for days on end, the great ice and snow apocalypse we had last year. Right. Um, the heat turns on and heat is dry. And you're typically used to a certain amount of water in the air down here in Houston. So if you're inside and the heat turns on, people would come and be like, ah, oh, doc, my headaches kicked up. And I'd be like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're dehydrated. They're like, no, I drink water. I'm like, okay, you're wearing sweaters, you're wearing jackets. Mm-hmm. The air is drier. You're inside. It's dry heat. I was like, literally just increase your water, add a little bit of salt and boom headaches go away. So similar, similar mechanism there, but it just reminded me of that when we're sitting here talking about it. So, um, go ahead, tell me. 
Oh yeah, no, I was, um, I'm looking at the, the, the next question here. And I, I think this is going to be a good one because there, there's a few different layers in here. And, and I know um, a lot of us come to fasting with some concerns, like, like is, is, is fasting actually different from like a low calorie diet or from something else that I've tried in the past? Um, so we, we got a question here and it's, it's how is intermittent fasting different than a reduced calorie diet? And do we need to consume X number of calories to keep our metabolism going? And, you know, like, and my, maybe my, my spouse is, is concerned about those calories too, because this is, this is like new ground and my, my spouse, you know, doesn't want me to do anything that's, that's, you know, bad for me. Right. Hey, y'all want to take a second and tell you just an incredible story about an amazing company that we've come across recently. Um, and now they are a sponsor of our show. It's airdoctorpro.com. You can head to the website, use a promo code uh, fasting for life to receive up to $300 off. But most importantly, uh, my little guy, my two-year-old has not slept consistently through the night uh, since he was born. We have tried everything you can imagine. He's our third child. And we're just like, what is happening? So we have gone to great lengths, time, money, and effort to figure out um, how we can help him sleep. And uh, the reality is uh, we were pretty much just resigned to the fact that this is how it's going to be until we put the Air Doctor Pro in his room. And I am not joking when I tell you the first night that we put it in his room, he slept through the night. The second night, slept through the night. Now we're up to 35 plus days that he has slept through the night. He has only woken up two times rather than two, three times a night, two times in the last 35 days and counting. And we are just so incredibly grateful. The reality is uh, we had a feeling that it was something that we were missing and the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air these days. In some cases, up to 100 times more. We spend 90% of our time indoors and we take 20,000 breaths a day. So what's the solution? An air purifier, a cut above the rest. I'm not going to lie. We have tried others. We've tried other HEPA filters. We've tried other air filters. We have spent the money and they have not done the results that Air Doctor did in literally the first day that we put it in his room. They filter out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants. That includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. So I don't know what it was that was keeping them up, but it is now gone. So Air Doctor comes with a 30-day breathe easy money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com. Use promo code FASTING for life to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. An exclusive listener um, offer for you as well. You'll receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. That's exclusive to you, the podcast listener, now hearing this in real time. Lock this special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code fasting for life. You guys know that we are very particular with who we partner with. And if it wasn't for this incredible company and this, the incredible results that we've seen, I would not be encouraging you to head to the website and take advantage of the Fasting for Life promo code. So if you support our sponsors, you are ultimately supporting us. We are grateful for you listening in. And now back to today's episode. Yeah, the the starvation mode, the the yeah. maybe you're, it doesn't seem like you're eating enough to survive, right? So there's three things mm -hmm. here. One is the, the seco, the calorie in, calorie out versus the carb insulin model of obesity. Um, or the insulin model of obesity. And then you've got your, the old construct, right. Of like, 
should I be tracking my calories and macros here? Am I crashing my metabolism? Mm -hmm. And then the marriage merge, which is something that we talk about often, where you, you may not have the spouse, partner, friend, family member might be being like, um, are you sure this is okay for you? Like, mm-hmm. I'm a little worried that you might not be eating enough. So yeah. I want to start with the calorie in calorie out question. And the two main models of, 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 um, weight gain or weight management or fat loss or however you want to word it. Um, the calorie in calorie out model, comparing it to the carb insulin model of obesity, um, is, is, is not, they can't be separated. They are related. And when we're looking at the question of, you know, how is intermittent fasting different than just being on a caloric restriction? It all comes down to, because fasting inherently is a caloric restriction, right? Mm -hmm. But the difference is if we could visually imagine a blank piece of white paper and you draw two lines, like half a square, right? And on that bottom line across the bottom, you're going to put time. And on that, the line going vertically up the side of the paper, you're going to put insulin. And just envision it if you took a marker and you drew this wavy line. So every time you ate, the line would go up and then it would slowly start to come down. And then you'd have a snack and it would go up and then come down, start to come down. And then you'd Mm -hmm. eat lunch and it would go up, so on and so forth. So you would have six to eight of those spikes, you know, a day. And all of that time that is under that 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 line that you drew right all of that time across the bottom of that page color imagine coloring it in right like with a dark marker right that is all time while your body is in a fed state and you're not tapping into the switch that controls fat burning which is insulin it's the hormone that controls fat storage versus fat burning if you Envision that same scenario, except with a one meal a day, or let's say a two hour eating window, or let's say you have a, a, you know, some appetizers, a meal and a glass of wine. So you're, you're at a dinner event for two hours, right? Yeah. You, you have very tiny little spikes or blips throughout the day, right? Where insulin is low and it stays Mm -hmm. low. Sometimes it'll actually go down and then you eat, it goes up and there's one spike then, or one area underneath that curve that you would shade in that area under that curve is much less than the first example. So the time that your body is in a fed state is much less. And that is the main difference. We are not just using the calories and we could have the same amount of calories consumed across the entire day, or just in that one to two hour window. I'm not saying to recommend to do that. We'll talk about that number in a second, which is the second question. But that's the difference is we are allowing our body to tap into those stored energy and calories, which taps into the third question, which is what about my husband's concern? Well, if you've got 20 pounds to lose, you have 70,000 stored calories of energy on your body. So it'd be like, hubby, I'm good. Like when I told my wife in the beginning, like, you're not going to eat today. No, I'm good. Look at me. I got 40 pounds of visceral fat around my midsection. Right. I got plenty of stuff, right? Winter isn't coming. I'm good. So <laughs> right. I want to land the plane on the first one first, uh, Tommy, the difference of, of why fasting is different because it protects your resting metabolic rate. It increases your noradrenaline and it keeps that time under the curve where insulin is high, low. Yeah, we we are really doing something different. Like you said, even if you take in the same number of calories, but it's it's in that time restricted manner and you get the huge benefit. 
of keeping the insulin levels low and getting less time underneath that curve. And, and that's where the, the reversal process process takes place, right? Like that's when I get to start undoing all of those times when I had those meals that had a few extra calories each time I did it. And they were a little bit more processed carbohydrates. It was a little bit more. I, I, I saw the scale just ticking up slowly over time. Well, something was happening to do that. Like my body was overall, I was spending more time in fat storage mode. So if I want to undo that and, and basically act like I have a time machine and I can go back in time, then this is how we do it. We control the insulin now by, by making these choices. And that is in huge in terms of the reversal process. So especially that, so if we're looking at the insulin model of obesity versus the calorie in calorie out model, that's like, we're talking about the resistance portion, right? The the 20 Mm -hmm. pounds that you just can't lose or the same 20 you've been losing or the now it used to be 20. Now it's 30. Now it's 40, et cetera. That was me. So yeah, same here. So you are um, tapping into the reversal which I just, I love is that you're getting your numbers to a point. We just had an example pop up in one of our groups where a woman was like, I did it. I've never been, I've never seen my numbers in the seventies before. And she was mm-hmm. having pre-diabetic numbers and she got there by being consistent and sticking with allowing the hormones of insulin and the, the hunger hormones, leptin and ghrelin and all that stuff helped to balance out over time and remove yep. that time under the curve where your body was in fat storage oh, mode. So, you know, you know what it. the best, you know what the best part of that was when she shared that with us was the fact that she wasn't at her lowest overall weight, Yes, but her blood sugar, insulin, and yes. ketone numbers were at a, at a much better point than the last point. time. Yes, they were at a healthier point yeah. than the last time that she had been at a, a lower weight yep. than, than that. And, that, and that, that part blew my mind. That, that was yeah. awesome. Yeah, it was incredible when she shared that. I had just forgotten about that. Great point. Um, that leads into the second question. <clears throat> um, the second part of this question, do we need to consume an X amount of calories to keep our metabolism going? So fasting has that incredible um, ability to, some of the research has showed that it actually will boost your metabolism by 14%. Mm-hmm. Um, within the, you know, eight, 72 to 84 hour mark. Right. So we don't recommend a lot of 72 hour fast back to back to back. Right. We right. want this to be a lifestyle. So we're talking about 18 all the way up to 48s, sometimes fifties, depending on if you're trying to break through a plateau and then making sure that we're filling our eating window with nutrient dense, healthy foods, giving our body the opportunity to balance over time. Right. So yeah. To keep it really simple, if you are worried about it, you can simply track the calories and shoot for that 40 to 60% mark of what your um, BMR is on a daily basis. And that will be more than enough uh, to make sure that you are getting that uh, protective mechanism by no adrenaline going up and giving your resting metabolic rate the stimulation it needs to continue. Mm. And that varying of the windows allows your body also to balance. So 40 to 60%. Um, if you want to track to make yourself feel better about it and make sure that you're on track. And if you're ever feeling like tired or just the cravings have kicked up, increase your protein and your fat intake for a Mm -hmm. few days, increase your window a little bit. And that should really help you kind of push through. Yeah. If you're feeling like that and you took a couple of days, um, just to like, like you said, like open up your window and and maybe just, you know, switch back to to 16, eight or to 18, six for a couple of days and then, and then jump back in. Like, like no, no issue with, with doing that at all. And I, I think that, that the, that 40 to 60%, what you just described there, what I heard was, was basically almost treating it like, like you were at a two meal a day, like long-term, 
if you were doing two meals a day, like I, I just, I just nixed breakfast, like breakfast doesn't exist. Like if my kids ask me what's, what's breakfast, I, I tell them, well, breakfast is the opportunity for kids to eat, for growing kids to eat. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like I'm not growing. I don't need it. I don't need a third main eating opportunity for the day. So if you, if you thought about it, like you were going to break your, your day up into two main meals, um, then, then just eating that like you would at your maintenance point will help you kind of like develop the, the good habits that are going to sustain you uh, long-term as well as kind of optimizing during your eating window. Yeah, it was really cool that we picked. Well, I love that we picked this group of questions because there's so much overlap because mm-hmm. we just talked about, you know, the fear of the, well, I never know when, if I'm going to break my fast or am I going to be able to stop once I open my eating window? Well, you know, we've given you tips on that too, but like, there's that part of beginning with the end in mind. What does the end look like mm-hmm. when you lose the weight? What does that look like? People don't tend to think about that or if they they're so far from it, it's overwhelming and then they don't start. So yes. I love that there's overlap in here um, for a lot of these, these questions that have come in and they're grouped together, you know, intentionally as well. The last part of this question, this three-parter, um, the, the question about, am I making sure that I'm keeping my metabolism going and not entering air quotes, starvation mode? Um, the last question, you know, was inspired, that question was inspired by the husband's concern or the spouse's concern. Cause it goes both ways. And this is in situation. It is a woman who asked the question, mm-hmm. um, am I eating? He doesn't think I'm eating enough. Well, and he's worried and that's completely justifiable. So <clears throat> my, my perspective on this would be, okay, have you been getting results? If you've been getting results, focusing on your end goal and communicating that saying, I want to lose this 20 pounds because I want to be healthier for my grandkids. I want to be able to spend more time with you and feel better and sleep better. And if you're getting results, um, simply sharing that you have confidence that this is a long-term sustainable plan for you should Mm -hmm. be enough to what we call kind of get that marriage merge to come in. Um, and it's tough when that person is not doing what you're doing and they're not doing it and maybe they are, but they're not doing it for the same reasons. Right. So, uh, just being encouraging that if you, if, if you do what we just talked about, then you are okay. And just relaying that information. As yeah. Well. For, for my own, um, for my own household, when right. I got started, my wife was concerned for sure. She was like, well, that, that sounds extreme. It sounds like it might be dangerous. Are you sure? Like, no, she, I don't even think she asked me if I was sure whenever I first started, it was more like, <laughs> why would you do that? I, yeah, that, right, that doesn't, right. that doesn't sound good. And, and it was like, well, okay, I've been trying all these other things for so long. Let's, let's, let's do this. I, I just want a little bit of, of support. Don't be too concerned. If I don't feel well, then I'll, I'll eat something. Okay. But right. I've, I've been eating a, a lot of, a lot of things for a long time. So let, let me do something a little bit different and, and see how this goes. And, and so, so then just over the first few days of like, okay, well, let me just check in with you. Let me, let me tell you how I'm feeling and how I was feeling last week. So I'm kind of contrasting now yep. within the, the beginning of this, this fasting thing, how I'm feeling versus, versus whenever I was doing things the old way. And then it, it didn't take long to go like, well, obviously uh, you're making some choices that, that your body seems to be responding to better. You feel better. And then that starts to give some, some reassurance to your spouse. And it didn't take long before she said, okay, well, maybe I should do a little bit of this too, and kind of start dipping your toes in the water. And then you have a really cool process of like support, encouragement, feedback, like built into, you know, your, your marriage or, or your home, your home life. It, it, it's right. a really cool thing to, to start to get that marriage merge. 
Yeah, it is. And I mean, man, you guys, from when we first met, you look a little different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The keyword is little. So, <laughs> you, yeah. and, and uh, yeah, that's pot calling the kettle. I'm, I'm there. Sure. So, yeah. Um, last question as we wrap up today's Q and a, uh, came in and I love this because this is uh, a question we get often. And for you more emotional folk out there that don't really like data or tracking or numbers, you're not, you may not like this portion, uh, but there is some power in in potentially needing this tool at some point. So mm-hmm. um, we had talked about this and then a follow-up question would be, well, if I'm getting results, do I need to use this or like a keto mojo or a blood sugar ketone tracker? And the answer yeah. is no, you don't. You absolutely don't have to. So the question is, when in the fasting process should I use the keto mojo? I'm not familiar with measuring ketones, blood sugar, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So Okay. If you have a desire to have more information and learn more, then the Keto Mojo might be right for you. Um, If you're getting results and you don't want to use it or think you don't really need it, and the answer is you're right. You don't. You can continue doing exactly what you're doing and not having to worry about it. Yeah. We've even seen some people who were on the right track and then, you know, got it just kind of out of curiosity and then started getting some question marks, some like some uncertainty points because there, there's some unpredictability in what your blood sugar is doing, like minute to minute, um, what your ketones are doing. You know, that each each 20 hour fast is not going to look the same on your keto mojo. It's going to depend on your level of insulin resistance, what you ate at your last meal, how hydrated are you? Have you exercised today? What time of day is it? Right, you know, right. the the list goes on for for the variables. So so understanding that if you are going to go down that path, which is, it's a really cool one, but I, I don't feel like I was, I was ready for a while for like a level of like, you know, what's going on in, you know, within my body, um, for, for more data that I could kind of start reconciling and, and correlating over time with what I was doing. Um, it did get a, it, it did get to a point where it was helpful, but I had to be very consistent with it in order to start correlating that for myself. So, um, just being aware that, there can be more uncertainty points and it can be helpful to avoid those and to kind of insulate yourself from them, especially if you're early on in the process. Two things there, right? Like I love that is um, you have to stay consistent with it. If you're just going to pick it up and just test willy nilly, mm-hmm. it's going to create more confusion. Yeah. So staying consistent, testing every morning is going to give you a good baseline of what your body's doing overnight, what your mm-hmm. fasting blood sugar should be in the morning. It'll give you an idea of where you're on, on the blood sugar disease scale of healthy prediabetes, diabetes, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and then the, the time that really was powerful for me, Tommy, and you had brought this up and I had forgotten about it was that between like 12 to two or one to three times, especially on the days mm-hmm. that I was doing some longer fast that really gave me some insight into what was happening and why I felt the way I did on certain days and better on others and, and yeah. whatnot. Um, so early just afternoon. Cons- that's, yeah. That's early afternoon. Saying, right? Yeah. Okay. So staying yeah. consistent with those two times for a few weeks, if you are testing or if you haven't really found any traction with it, um, is a, is a good place to start. And then the second thing that I, that I thought of when you were explaining that was if you are already doing blood sugar testing, then getting a keto mojo that has the ketones, portion of it or the GKI mm-hmm. portion of it, um, could be a, a, a reasonable, like, I don't say upgrade, but a reasonable level up because yeah. you're already yeah. used to doing the blood sugar testing, but now you're just going to get blood sugar plus ketones. And then there's an equation that spits out a really cool metric that 
gives you some insight into what your body's doing physiologically in terms of disease reversal and energy production. Yeah. So again, if you're listening to this going, uh, wah, 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 right. like the, like the Muppets or the peanuts, right? Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown yeah. right? like, yep. don't worry about it. You don't need to uh, just keep doing what you're doing. But knowing that if you do get stuck or you do want some more data, you are more analytical for all the engineers out there. Um, um, you can absolutely, um, you know, use this as a tool. Yeah, let me say one thing emphatically, which is that Ooh, this is going to be good. You don't need sky high ketones in order to be in fat burning mode. Okay, so if you are going to start measuring this stuff, you don't need to just yearn for the next level of of ketones to feel like you're in you know a solid state of ketosis and to feel like what you're doing is working. So uh, Keto Mojo has a lot of cool infographs and explainer videos and tutorials right. and things like that. And so, yep. you know, just, just starting to tap into the process of just a very beginning entry level, um, nutritional ketosis, especially if you have a high level of insulin resistance, or you have a lot of weight to lose, you you're on the right track and, and that's how it's going to start. And usually those ketone numbers will start to slowly rise over yep. time as the weight comes off and the insulin resistance comes down. Yep. As you're more easily entering ketosis, it will, yeah, those numbers will get, will get higher for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I ever saw anything over two for, I mean, might've been a year. I don't remember. It's been a while since I've mm -hmm. used it consistently, but one last kind of nugget, fasting nugget, fasting for life, little bonus drop here. I wanted to share was mm -hmm. going back to the original, as we wrap up today's episode, Tommy, about the closing your eating window um, or being concerned about it. I really want to give the the uh optimizer as we say the the five four three two one rule um Ooh, and as a tool to be able to do something actionable if that spoke to you or if that's something you struggle with so mm -hmm. the five four three two one rule is, is from mel robbins and if you don't know who she is she's got some incredible videos out there powerhouse. one of the most yeah just powerhouse entrepreneur life co i mean she's just incredible so she does a five four three two one rule where it's you're breaking that pattern interrupt. So if you are about to do something where you're like, Oh, here we go. This is my old pattern. Right. Yeah. Simply uh, going here. I am again. Five, four, three, two, one, give yourself a virtual hug and say, it's okay. You've identified the issue. You've pattern interrupt, set the timer for 10 minutes, walk away from whatever it was. If it's related to food, get out of the kitchen, get out of the pantry, mm -hmm. set the timer for 10 minutes and then ask yourself, do I still want to do X behavior? Yeah. And the majority of the time, you're going to go, no, I don't. And it's going to remove that pattern or that, that pattern interrupt or that, 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 that cue that causes the habit to kind of to, to, to pop up, right? We always yeah. try to change the action at the end. What we need to do is start with the pattern interrupt or the cue in the beginning. So take a minute, five, four, three, two, one. Set a timer for 10 minutes, walk away from that environment, right? Give yourself a minute to think and then ask yourself the question, is this moving me closer or farther away from my goal? And if you decide that you're okay with it and it's moving you farther away from your goal, that's okay in the beginning. Just be easier on yourself and don't be so hard on yourself because changing lifestyle habits and adapting a fasting, for instance, uh, fasting uh, lifestyle is simple, but sometimes it's not easy and it's okay. Yeah, sometimes it, you're you're just one 
little thing away. Like you're, you're one fast away. You're one little trick uh, away from breaking these patterns that aren't serving you so that you can take it to the next level. It's, it's crazy how those little things add up over time. So, you know, I'm going to encourage everyone to, to take a step back, reflect back, you know, what are you doing well lately and take stock of that, give yourself a pat on the back and do more of those things. And, and just find one or two things where you go, yeah, you know what, that hasn't been serving me so well. Um, I would like to tweak that or change it in some way. Just one or two. Focus on lots of good things that you're doing yep. and just take one or two of the things that you could tweak and go, yep. yeah, how can I do this a little bit better? Put a plan in for next time. And then just think about doing that a few times and it's going to come to you a lot more easily in the moment next time it comes up. You're actually going to take the thinking out of it, yeah. which is um, extremely important when it comes to emotional connections to food and our habits. So good point. with that, Tommy, I want to encourage everybody, if you're new to the Fasting for Life podcast, thank you for joining us. You can head over to the website, find out more about who we are and what we do. You can download the Fast Start Guide. Uh, it's a free Fast Start PDF where you can put one meal a day fasting into your day-to-day life. We've got the insulin assessment up there, and we've got the challenge coming up on January 12th. We're planning mm-hmm. out the end of this year, Tommy, as we wrap up. We've got some big things coming in 2022 and uh just so thankful for each and every one of you that's been listening so um as we typically say tommy thank you so much for the conversation and uh, we'll talk soon thank you bye so you've heard today's episode and you may be wondering where do i start head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day life While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.